I was talking to my son last night, and he said, Dad, are you excited for Father's Day tomorrow? And I said, yeah, buddy, I am. I'm really excited, actually. It's always a great day for me, so I'm really looking forward to it. He said, yep, Dad, I'm really looking forward to it as well. I'm also looking forward to giving you Father's Day spankings. I said, well, buddy, you made that one up on your own because that's birthdays, but kids are, kids are great. But he said to me after that something that really just resonated, it would, in the heart of any dad hearing it from their son. He said, Dad, when I grow up, I want to be exactly like you. And I thought, wow, those words are so weighty and meaningful. And the reality is, is, you know, my heart for my son and my kids, our kids, is that they will become the men and women whom God is creating them to be. But as parents, fathers, of course, we're talking about today, but as parents, we have this really big responsibility, and that is that we can represent our heavenly father, we should represent our heavenly father to our children as we're raising them up. That they have the ability to look to us and how we parent them, how we live our lives and see Christ in us. And that is paving the way for them to know their heavenly father for all of eternity. That's a big responsibility. But God gives us the ability to do that and to do that well. One of the things that that does for our children, when we represent God well to them, and we provide a space and environment for them to grow up in that's healthy and strong, is that it instills things in them that they need as they, as they go on that journey as a child into adolescence and adulthood. And one of those things that we can provide for our children is a sense of security and stability. Would you agree with me that children should be able to grow up in an environment where it's safe and stable and they feel secure, right? They feel secure, not going to Things aren't going to fall apart on me. Uh, I'm not going to lose the security. There's provision there. So God gives us this space in our kids' lives to represent Him in that way, provide a security, an insulation, a shelter for them to really grow up strong and be nurtured into the young men and women that God is creating them to be. But Ultimately, we are just a representation of what the Father wants to do in perfection. He alone can provide the security and the stability in the lives of each and every one of us that really we are created to yearn for and that's a foundation for us to become all that God has created us to be that we feel secure in our identity and who we are in Christ. Now, I don't know about you, if you may, you may agree with me on this, it has been my observation as a leader in the church and the body of Christ has spent countless hours with all kinds of people working through challenges of life that people face and exciting journeys that they go on. 
one of the things that I have noticed is a common uh, issue or struggle that many, many people deal with. People that you would be surprised at because of what you see on the surface doesn't necessarily reflect it right away. But one of the things so many people struggle with is that they are insecure. They're insecure. Sometimes you have to kind of peel back the layers of what's going on. It manifests itself or displays itself through different symptoms or actions. But as you get to the root of things, you begin to see, wow, we're dealing with an insecure person here. They don't know who they are. They're not comfortable in their own skin and in who they are. And it can show itself out in maybe two extremes. One is there are people who overcompensate for their insecurity. Do you know what I'm talking about? Where um, they're, they're very prideful or boastful. It's like they're working really, really hard to try and create an image or a picture of who they want to be, but they're really not on the inside. And they overreach and go to great lengths to try to make that look like the person whom they are. It's often uh, picked up in like a prideful spirit or an arrogant spirit. And it's, it's always ironic to me that someone who tries to look like they've got it all together or they're so uh, strong in certain ways can really be so fragile and weak on the inside with who they are. So they can be overcompensated. But the other extreme, I think, is that sometimes people are so insecure that they hide in the shadows. They are very, they're full of doubt, timidity, cowardice. They're just afraid to step out and be seen anywhere and kind of be exposed for this insecure person who they really are. And they go to great lengths to try to stay away from any situation that would really bring that to the surface. And so church, my heart today, my passion today is that we could all see and know that God, our heavenly father, is offering us, is inviting us into a walk with Him that is so filled with everything that we need that He would be able to provide us with the deepest sense of security in our soul that we would know who we are and whose we are and that we would be able to walk this journey out of becoming the men and women God is calling us to be in a place where we are secure while we do that. I think the world right now is really starved, this is an opinion, for, good, for great leadership, for godly leadership. And I know this, godly leaders are secure leaders. In fact, I think insecure people harm other people, especially when they're in places of leadership, because everything that comes out of them is actually flowing from that place of insecurity that's on the inside. What if God wanted to get in your heart today, if that's an area that you struggle with, and 
shore that area up in your life? What if he wanted to build some pillars for you to help this sense of security and identity and who you really are be established so that this is not an area in your life that you would be tossed around in? There's no need to overcompensate and there's no need to hide in the shadows. There's no need to try to make a name for yourself because God's already given you a name. There's no need to try to be something that you're not because God has created you uniquely and special and that's the person who he wants you to be. The title of the message today is A Father's Security. A Father's Security. Let's pray. just felt the presence of God just come and rest right there in this moment. Lord, we ask that you would speak to us today. I ask you, God, that you would open our eyes to see and our ears to hear those things which we cannot see and hear apart from you revealing them to us. Holy Spirit, Uncover our eyes and open our ears. I come against any kind of dead religion or dry bones uh, spirit of religion that might be keeping people from the relationship and the power and intimacy that is to be found. God, we come against any foul or unholy spirit that may have attached itself in someone's life. And we bind in the name of Jesus Christ the operation of such things in this place today. We say, come forth, Lord, with your kingdom and bring your will to pass and be done in the lives of your people today. We say, speak, Lord, your servants are listening. And everyone together said, amen, amen. So a father's security. Let's go to the Gospel of John in our Bibles to open up with our reading, Gospel of John chapter 21. Pretty well-known part of story from the Bible, seen from John's gospel. This is the closeout of John's account of uh, Jesus on the earth. And there's this famous scene where Jesus appears in resurrected form to the disciples after they've been fishing all night and catching nothing. You remember that? Jesus is on the shore. He's got a fire burning and he's got food on the fire, and the disciples are out there toiling away unsuccessfully, and Jesus says, throw the net on the right side of the boat, because it's the right side, right? Okay, sorry, that was bad. (laughs) Throw your net on the right side of the boat. They throw their net on the right side. I was fishing with Pastor Guy one time, and he wasn't catching anything. I was catching all the fish. I said, cast right there. And he cast right there. And he started catching fish, you know. <laughs> you just got to get in the right place. Sorry. <laughs> so he says, cast on the right side of the boat. They cast the net over and they bring in 153 fish, the scripture says. I've always wondered why. Why 150 
three. I think that's one of the questions I'm going to have to wait to heaven to really get a clear answer on. But scripture says 153 fish came out of that net. And then Jesus has this moment with Peter that we know is Jesus restoring Peter. He's restoring him because Peter, his last moments that he had with Jesus, if you recall, he denied him three times, right? And Peter said, I'll never leave you, Lord. Do you know him? Nope. Do you know him? Nope. Do you know him? Nope. Three times. So Peter is, he's probably a mess right now. I let my Lord down. What's going to happen here? Jesus comes and he goes through that process. Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep, tend my sheep, feed my lambs, right? He's restoring Peter three times to complete this thing where it's like, okay, Peter, let's restore this place of brokenness in you so that you're prepared and ready to go be the apostle that I need you to be for my church. I love that about God, don't you? That he, he has a way of bringing things to the surface in our lives that are weaknesses that need to be shored up because he always sees out in front of where we are And he wants to equip us and prepare us so that we are ready for the places that he wants to take us into. Now, that's not always easy to hear, face, or deal with. Would you agree with me? But God will help us to see these areas that are weaknesses in our lives. And then he is also the solution to those weaknesses. He's going to shore this thing up in Peter. So let's read chapter 21, verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Peter said to Simon, or uh, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. So he said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now watch where it goes next. Jesus has just walked Peter through this process. He's restoring this place of brokenness in Peter where he fell. But listen to the next thing that Jesus says here, and I'm just going to give you a little bit of a hint ahead of time. Jesus is introducing a new thought for Peter now that is also going to root out and deal with another area in Peter's life that I believe is an area a lot of people struggle with that Jesus wants to shore up in Peter so that he's ready to go do what God is calling him to do. So verse 18. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished, but when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. Stop right there. 
So you'd read that and you think, what is he talking about? The next verse tells us exactly what he meant by that statement. This he spoke, signifying by what death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to him, follow me. So Jesus goes from talking to Peter about feed my sheep, feed my lambs, tend my sheep, restoring Peter and getting him ready. And he he immediately introduces this next thought where he basically tells Peter, you're going to suffer a gruesome death. You're going to die a a bad death. Great news, (laughs) right? I mean, Peter, he he hears from Jesus that his death is going to be a gruesome one. Now, we know, not from Scripture, from history, historical records indicate that, that Peter was crucified upside down in the Neronian, the Emperor Nero, in the persecution. So he did very much, in fact, suffer a bad death, which probably reflects why it says your arms will be stretched out. But why? Why does he do that? Why does he tell Peter about how he's going to die. We, we see something next in the story that I believe begins to cast a light on what Jesus was trying to do, an area in Peter that Jesus wanted to address, shore up, that's something that I think a lot of people, and it comes by way of just insecurity, struggle with today. Listen to what happens next. Verse 20. So Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved, which we know is John, the author of this gospel. Okay, he's writing in the third person. He saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following, who had also leaned on Jesus' breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? Peter seeing him, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? And Jesus said to him, if I will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Then this saying went out among the brethren that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, But if I will that he remain until I come or return, what is that to you? Hmm. So, it's funny because the disciples hear what Jesus said and they think they hear something that they didn't really hear. They start to think that what Jesus meant is that John's going to live forever or not die. And it obviously tells us that that's not what Jesus meant at all by that statement. But Peter, here's this thing from Jesus. You're going to die a a gruesome death, Peter. And he's like, wow, okay. What about that guy? Do you see it? Do you see what he does? Okay, all right. So uh, that's that's, that's tough news. Um, You got tough news for that guy too? He turns his focus. Now, all of a sudden, Peter wants to know, what are you going to do with John? 
There's this thing that begins to come out of Peter that we see where there's this insecurity now, right? Point number one, if you're taking notes today in the message, is that insecure people are unstable. Like, all of a sudden, right, you see this fragility, this insecurity begin to surface. Peter's like... Help me feel better, Lord. Help me feel better by telling me something bad is going to happen to John, too. (laughs) And Jesus, what does Jesus say? He says, Peter, you follow me. He says, what is it to you if I will that he is alive until I come? Do you get that? Peter is all of a sudden now worried about the other guy. Instead of keeping his eyes on what Jesus is doing in his life and wants to do to shore up some weaknesses in him so that he can go fulfill the mission that God has for him uniquely. Yeah, he's got a mission for John, but that's not what I'm talking to you about, Peter. That's not, that's not what we're discussing here. We're talking about you right now. Hmm. And I think that we, we do that sometimes, right? We... Things are going on in our lives, maybe they're hard or difficult or whatever it might be, and we, we start to look around, and I don't know why, this is like the human condition, but somewhere along the line, it makes people feel a little bit better if somebody else is struggling too. And Jesus, if you notice, like, he is not sympathetic towards this behavior, right? What, is, what does Jesus not do? He doesn't coddle Peter. I can tell you that. He doesn't say, oh, Peter, you know what? Yeah, come here, buddy. It's, you, you're struggling right now. I know. You know what? Let, let, me just, let me throw a little something at John to make you feel better, all right? No, Jesus is, he is not sympathetic towards this. He knows that this is, this is what's coming out is this insecurity that Peter's got that Jesus is wanting to root out and deal with and help him see and be able to really shore this thing up so Peter's ready for what's ahead. We know when, because we saw when he talked about feeding the sheep, he said, follow me. And then when Peter's like, what about the other guy? He said, I'm going to die a gruesome death. What about him? Jesus, there's like an emphatic expression to the statement now. He says, Peter, you follow me. Keep your eyes on me, Peter. Don't be worried about or distracted with things around you. Focus on what I'm doing in you and want to do through you. And so point number two is insecure people are unfocused. That's what happens when we're insecure. We, we got to worry about the other guy. What's going on with everybody else is like, instead of just being secure with who we are and what God's doing in us is we start to kind of take our focus off of Jesus and put it on other things, right? When the Bible says, focus on works of the spirit, not on works of the flesh, it says, keep your eyes set on things above and not on things of this world. Jesus is, he's like, uh-uh, uh-uh, Peter, Bring your, bring your gaze back over here. Reorient your focus, Peter. You're getting distracted by thinking about what's happening with John. 
You know, I don't know what it is, but sometimes if we're insecure, that's what comes out of us is that we, we begin to somehow feel a sense of pleasure or improvement when we know other people aren't measuring up as well. And I just want to tell you this. That is a false way of finding security. It's, it's not going to give you what you need. Only God can do that. And if we are secure in who we are and whose we are, listen to me, then it is really easy to celebrate the great things that God is doing in other people's lives. It's really easy. We can see God doing great things, and we can celebrate that. And we should be able to do that. I'll tell you, if you find yourself in a place where it's hard to do that, listen to me. Can, can we not all relate at some place, some point in our life with that? If you find it where it's hard to do that, that should be like a blinking red light that Jesus needs to do, wants to do something in us. That we're, we're only interfering by harboring that kind of feeling with what God wants to do in us next. And God will let that thing come out like a blinking red light. Hey, you should see it. Like, man, I can't, I'm, I can't even be happy for this guy because I'm really struggling with what's going on in me. And Jesus, like, it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be that way. But I love it. I'm just, I'm really grateful that God works this way. Aren't you? That he will allow things to surface. You know what David said? He said, inspect me, Lord. Inspect me. I, I know there's mess here. Show me what the mess is, and then root it out of me and lead me into the right path. I think that should always be our, our posture is we're willing to kind of come face to face with our inadequacies and let Jesus say, okay, great, now that you're willing to acknowledge it and admit it, now, now I can deal with that. I remember not long ago, Katie and I were talking, and there were some, there were some things that were coming up I you know, got to deal with that are going to be difficult, challenging uh, circumstances, situations, and I was, we were talking about a particular event that had already happened, and I was like, hey, you, you know, how did that go? Do you think that that went pretty well? And I was thinking in my mind, I, I dealt with that pretty good, you know? She's like, no, you didn't. You didn't really deal with that well. And my first thought is like, she's probably wrong. Um, but then my second thought was that she's probably not. She's like, no, you just were, you were a little short. You're a little fast to react. Your, your little frustration kind of came through. And I was like, oh, okay. So I began to think on that, pray on that. And then the Lord began to speak to me through that. He's like, I, I wanted you to see that because where you're going next, I, I, I need to do a little deeper work of gentleness in you before you get there. Does that make sense? Like, okay, because I, I need more fruit of gentleness coming out of you, more patience, more restraint, because this place that you're going in, this territory, it, it really requires something more than, than what you have right now. And I just, I'm just thankful that God does that, that he'll allow us to see. But I think sometimes people are unwilling to see. 
Would you agree with that? They're unwilling to see. But if we can allow God to show us these things and just get into this habit, this lifestyle, like, okay, you showed it to me. Let's deal with this junk and get on with it because I don't want to leave it around anymore. Right? That, that's the movement of the, of the believer that we need. That's the cadence in our life. Like, okay, Lord, deal with this thing in me and let's, let's keep moving. Let's get stronger. And God's like, all right, I'll root it out. Because he alone can give us this security that we're really looking for and that we long for. You know, I think that sometimes we get so distracted or into this idea of comparison with what's going on with other people and other things that it's like too much going on in the business of other people that we really miss the moments and the opportunities that are there for us right now. I don't know about you, but when I think about it just on a practical level, the rate that like other people's business with online stuff and everything else comes at you, if you step out back and really think about it for a second, I don't even have time to keep up with all of that if I'm really going to stay focused on what God is doing in my life and what he's working out in me. I just try to have the mindset and the mentality of, Lord, I'm just going to keep my head down with you. I'm going to focus on what you're doing with me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead others as I'm being led by you, like you're my aim and you're my focus. I'm running to you and nothing else. And then everything else around me is going to settle where it will. But I trust that if I just keep pursuing what he has for me and stay focused on that, that God's going to bring everything to pass that he wants to bring to pass. Comparison can really be an attack of the enemy that undermines what God's wanting to do in our lives. Listen to this, James chapter 3, verse 16. It says, where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and everything, every evil thing are there. Wow. Envy. When I'm worried about the other guy, what he has or doesn't have, and compared to what I have or what I don't have, like that's like the enemy's playground. You get that? He can do so much damage in our mind if we entertain and harbor those kind of thoughts over and over and over again. It's tormenting, and Jesus does not want us to be tormented. Do you remember the parable that Jesus told where he said there were... Um, number of different servants who went out to work in a field. And the master came at the end of the day to give the wages to the servants. And they all showed up at different hours of the day. So the ones that only worked the last shift, like the last part of the day, the master gave them the full amount of the wages. So the ones that had been there all day were thinking, ooh, he's just going to give us even more. And then he gave the same wages to the people that had worked all day. And they were upset because they were worried about the other guy. They were worried about what God was doing in these other people and with these other people. And it made them feel shortchanged. And the master is like, hey, wait a minute. Hold on a second. I did exactly what I told you I was going to do. I fulfilled my promise to you. Why are you disgruntled? <laughs> And here's the, here's the real big thought. Why are you upset if I want to bless your fellow workers the way that I just did? 
Why does that bother you? I've read these verses in John 21, and I've thought, why wouldn't Peter want John to live a good life, a long life? Why wouldn't he want him to? I think it's because there's some kind of insecurity that he's dealing with, that he's struggling with. And really, that kind of insecurity, it's, it's almost like it, it reveals a lack of trust in God. Doesn't it? Like, Lord, I just don't know if what you're going to do in me is, is good enough. I don't know if what you're going to work out in me is, is everything that it could be. It's almost like an accusation against God that he doesn't know how to do the absolute best thing in our lives that he intends to do. Or perhaps it's, it's that somehow when we can't celebrate the successes of other people and the blessings that God might be doing in their life because we're really just hung up on what's happening in our life, right, that we struggle with being able to be excited. We think, man, does that really affect God's ability to do great things in my life and everything he wants to do if he's blessing other people and doing great things in their life? Like almost as if, well, there's not enough blessings to go around. I don't know if there's enough God to go around. Like if they're getting that reward and that much blessed, and man, that's going to somehow hinder what God wants to do in and through me, which is a lie from the enemy. Do you get that? Like, God can elevate every one of his children to exactly the place of blessing and influence that he has for us and not be limited or hindered in any way because he's doing that with all of his children at the same time. Oh, I think that's a a powerful truth sometimes that we have to get a hold of. And point number three, so one was insecure people are unstable. Two, insecure people are unfocused. Point number three, secure people are grounded. Grounded. You know, when you are secure, then you can get hit with a lot of different things and still not be thrown off your footing. But when you're insecure... Almost anything can knock you off your footing. Because it's a weak spot. You ever play sports or work out or do something where they tell you, hey, you've got to get the right stance and the right footing and the right form. Right? If your stance is off, if you're not grounded properly and you're out of balance, then everything that you try to exert through your extremities or outer parts of what you're doing, it's all going to be compromised because you're, you're not grounded where you need to be. So get your stance right. I think a lot of times this place of being secure in who we are, it's, it's, it's like our footing, being grounded. Again, we need secure leaders in our world. We need people who are secure in who they are and whose they are because it takes a very secure person to go into hostile territory. You're going to go out and advance the kingdom. You're going to be hit 
with things that the enemy is trying to do to stop you, you're going to have to be secure in your identity in Christ and who you are so that you cannot be knocked off your footing when the arrows and the darts are flying all around you. Security. And praise God, the Lord wants to give us not just a little security, full security, and the only kind of real security that can establish our footing and satisfy our soul. And when we have that, when we walk with that, there is a cadence to your step, there is a steadiness in your eye, there is a clarity to your focus, and there is a strength to your actions. Because you know who you are. Because you know who you are. Am I making sense? Am I making sense to anybody today? I think insecurity is, again, it's something that, that so many people struggle with. And it's actually a root to a lot of other things that are really just symptomatic things that people struggle with because deep down they're insecure. Solve the insecurity, and you begin to eliminate the bad symptoms, right? Bad root, bad fruit. Good root, good fruit. Hmm. I remember one time when God just had called me into ministry, and certainly there were insecurities there. I have a background in business, not in ministry, and I was excited and zealous, but it's still a new world to me. Um, and I was doing this thing where I was like surveying a lot of different people in ministry, and I sound so silly, but I was like, well, I wonder if I'm going to be like that guy, or maybe, maybe I'll be like that guy, or well, no, maybe I'll be like that guy, and I was like going around, and I was just doing the comparison game, I think maybe I'll be like that, or, or that guy, right, and I remember this moment where God spoke so clearly to me as I was doing that. And something was not right. Something wasn't settled, but I didn't know what it was, and I was, and I was doing that. And God was like, you can look around all you want. But there's no one else like you. And in that moment, his still small voice did so much in me he said there's there's no one out there like you because what i want to do in you is unique and it doesn't exist out there and that was like freeing and liberating and strength building in the moment it's like why why was i looking to all these other things and god says no I want to develop the unique you. And what I want to say to you today, that I hope you hear, maybe you know this and maybe you're grounded in this, but maybe, maybe you're struggling with this like I once did. That God is only going to develop who he's calling you to be. He's not going to develop someone else in you. You can't go be someone you're not called to be. And I'll tell you this. 
you can't have genuine faith to become something that God isn't calling you to be. It won't connect. But when you see the work that God wants to do in you uniquely, and you reach for that, and then you begin to have faith for that, you're going to begin to see fruit and efficiency and productiveness coming out of your life in a way that you can't tap into trying to be anything else or anyone else because you will never be successful in it. You will only be successful in who God is calling you to be. And when we connect with that and we get secure in who we are and who God wants us to be, folks, there's no better place to live and no other way to live. Read this verse to you in Psalms 139. And you may have heard this before. But he says, For you created my inmost being, You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them even came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of the sand. And when I awake, I am still with you. I hope that is a word from your heavenly Father to you today to remind you that you are unique, that you are special, and that God has called you to be the person that he's called you to be. And he is fully capable of developing that person in you. But we have to be secure in who we are and in whose we are.